Canine Cast number 22. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi everyone, welcome to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. Hola, me llamo es Walter. Last weekend, Walter and I happened upon the 2005 North American Greyhound Adoption Conference, which was sponsored by Greyhound Pets of America. Greyhound Pets of America is the largest greyhound adoption organization in the nation, and also, I believe, the biggest breed rescue organization in the nation. They have 48 regional chapters that work with the national chapter to promote greyhound adoption and help to find retired greyhounds new homes. We had a chance to sit down and speak with Rory Goray, who is the president of Greyhound Pets of America. He told us a little bit about the organization's history. It's been around for almost 20 years now, and he has been involved with Greyhounds himself for 13 years. So he has a lot of knowledge about these animals. He'll tell you a little bit about his own experiences with them, some funny stories about living with Greyhounds and the joys that make them such wonderful pets. We really enjoyed this interview, learned a lot of new information, and now we can't wait to share it with you. Hi, today we're here with Roy Goray, president of Greyhound Pets of America, who has graciously consented to tell us a little bit about his organization and his experience with greyhounds. So thank you for joining us, Roy. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you today to tell you about this most remarkable breed that um, I'm privileged to be able to work with. Uh, greyhounds are just a wonderful dog to work with and I am actually the president of Greyhound Pets of America the world's largest single breed adoption program so it's a pleasure to be here with you and talk a little bit about, the, about what we do and about this wonderful dog terrific it's a pleasure to have you so if you would like um, would, would you please share with our listeners a little bit of the history of Greyhound Pets of America and your role as president what you do with the organization Sure. Um, Greyhound Pets of America was founded in 1987 as a nonprofit organization. Our sole mission is to find loving homes for uh, retired racing greyhounds. Since 1987, we have found 71,000 greyhounds a home, which is uh, very remarkable. Our organization is completely um, all volunteer run, and I think it's really remarkable that's. 71,000 greyhounds have found homes by volunteers. Um, we have 10,000 members across the United States. Um, we have 50, 48 chapters across the United States, uh, all finding homes for them. Myself, as the president of the national level, I'm the president there, and then I have 48 chapters that re then report up to me. Uh, so my daily duties are helping them with any issues that they need help with, funding, whatever it may be, so that they can do their job. My whole goal as president of GPA National is to make sure those folks that are doing the work of finding homes for greyhounds are able to function the best that they can. And it is a privilege for me to be able to do that for them. Wow, and with those numbers, a pretty big job from the sound of it. It, it can be. A lot, of, a lot of emailing, a lot of IMing, and a lot of voicemails that I have to respond to. <laughs> On a daily basis, I'm sure. So you're actually here um, for a conference with Greyhound Pets of America, correct? That's correct. This is our annual um, conference. We have our national board meeting during this time. Uh, the, this conference is actually called the North American Greyhound Adoption Conference. What we did is, year, a couple, three years ago, it used to be called the GPA Conference. 
Um, but I wanted to make it more open for all Greyhound adoption programs. Um, I mentioned that we have 48 chapters across the country, but if you add up all the other Greyhound programs, there's close to 300 Greyhound adoption programs here in the United States. And so I wanted to change the name and remove GPA out of it and open it up for more programs to come because a lot of what we've been offering here is very educational. And that's my whole goal is to be able to help everyone do a better job adopting dogs because the, the, the greyhounds are the ones that are going to benefit out of this. And so once a year we have a conference. Uh, it's always in a different city. This year we're here in Tampa, Florida. And by the way, it is a lovely city and a great place to be. Uh, we're having a great time here. And... Um, we have a record number this year of attendees for this conference, which is great. We also have a record number of non-GPA um, programs attending. So I'm very excited with what we have going on here this year. That's terrific. So it, so it sounds like it's really on an upward swing. Every year it's growing. And um, as I mentioned yesterday to the chapter that's putting on next year, it's like, unfortunately, you guys, the bars, you've got to take it higher. <laughs> Yep, I guess with every year the pressure mounts a little more for who's for whoever is hosting it. So now let me ask you, you had talked about how there is a national GPA organization and then your 48 chapters that are local organizations. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about with those, how they evaluate dogs, match them with homes, and if that's something that each of the local organizations does kind of with their own method or if there is a preferred method that you all use nationally? We're kind of trying to get to a method that we're all kind of doing the same way. Over the years it's been each person's been kind of doing it their way but like with this conference we have Lee Livinggood here who wrote the book um, Retired Racing Greyhounds for Dummies. We also have Cynthia Brannigan who's uh, written the book um, adopting the retired racing greyhound and the reign of the greyhound and both of them are very good people at um, temperament testing and we are trying that's one of the things we've been doing actually over the last three years is always getting out temperament t testing and evaluation training so i think we are getting to where everyone's getting the same education now how they use it at their local level um, is beyond me but i'm from what i've seen they're all doing a good job our policies and procedures um, dictate that when someone's interested in a greyhound, we actually go to their home and talk with them, try to find out a little bit about their home life, um, find out a little bit about the pets that are currently in their home, because our whole goal is to put the right dog in the right home, and that way the dog's going to be happy. <laughs> um, bounce backs, unfortunately, create a problem because then you have to find a home again for that greyhound. Doing it right first makes for a good home and makes for less work and that is what we're striving to get to and hopefully the education that we're offering at these type of events will help at the local levels with that. Plus it seems that that would be very important because with those bounce backs it's hard for the humans as well as the dogs to go back and forth. It, it is very hard for both um, and it, like I said it just makes makes life a lot easier if you can do it right the first time. Right. Well, wonderful, wonderful. Now, with their temperament testing, what, what actual methods do you use? I mean, do you use the Sue Sternberg test or the Emily Weiss test or one that you've made for your own, especially for greyhounds? I would, I would guess it's going to be the Sue Sternberg uh, method because I know Lee Livinggood is a big fan of Sue's. <laughs> and I'm... Um, I think that's the process she's going. Where you know, there's a lot of looking at the aggressive. Is there any aggressiveness in the dogs? 
And the good thing too is we're getting this training out so the people can kind of look at the dogs when they're doing a home visit that are currently in the home. So get a little fix. So it's, it, I think we're getting there. Right. Well, that's, that's really good. And the aggressive tendencies are important so that you can see them and work with them to make sure that if somebody has a dog in their home that has those tendencies and they're prepared for it. Yeah, I even uh, myself this year, I learned a lesson. We've placed a few greyhounds in um, Alzheimer's homes. And the greyhounds did really good there, but there was one test we learned that we need to find out. Does the dog greyhound smile? I don't know if you've seen any of the greyhounds here, but some greyhounds do smile. Well, some people see that smile and they think it's a growl. And we had a greyhound in a Alzheimer's home that smiled. And the person said, this, gray, this dog just growled at me. And, of course, due to insurance and all that, the dog had to come out. Uh, dog's not aggressive or mean or anything. She just smiles. In fact, she's at my home. Uh, her name's Nutmeg. And she's the most beautiful, docile greyhound ever. And, but we, that was just a lesson we learned that, okay, now we got to look for gr smiling. All right, one particular thing with the breed that everyone may not necessarily um, know about. So, um, so you also run a weekly internet radio show about greyhounds. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I have a show every Friday. It's called Greyhounds Make Great Pets. And um, what we try to do is every week have a different guest on various topics. Like Lee Living Good's been our guest several times to talk about her thing. Because that was the th whole process behind the show was, okay, once a year we have this conference with education. But I wanted also to have another way of continuing the education throughout the year. So that is the whole process behind the show is doing continuing the education so there's probably going to be a lot of uh, temperament type of testing in fact sue sternberg is a guest that i'm trying to line up that would be really terrific to have her on yeah and uh i'm, I'm talking with lee because she's buddies with her so she's going to be getting her saying get on rory's show but i am also really i think i'm going to go to the process ipodding like what you're doing so i can offer a longer show because right now i can only do one week uh or one hour a week uh, I think this process will offer, allow me to do more education for the folks. That's terrific. And I know that we do have some listeners who have greyhounds, so I think that they would really appreciate that show as well in a podcast format. Oh, yeah. And for your listeners, the ones that have greyhounds, thank you for adopting them. Now, let me ask, how did you get involved with this breed at the beginning? And how did you get involved with uh, Greyhound Pets of America also? Uh, back in, oh man, now I can't remember the year. It's been 13 years ago, I believe. My wife and I lived in San Diego, California, and we went to Balboa Park for a, a Christmas function. I think it was a Christmas on Parado. And Greyhound Pets of America, California, was there doing a meet and greet. And we walked by and we saw the dogs. And my wife continued to go shop, but I could hear her. It's like, uh-oh, because I immediately went over to the Greyhounds. And then I asked them a few questions i or i really wanted a greyhound and then when the guy said well why don't you put in an application i said well i can't have one because i live in a condo and the guy volunteer immediately said well we're going to find you the right dog so i took an application my wife and i talked about it for about two months and we submitted it and we got our first dog anna marie um, we were going to be we pledged to each other that we were only going to have one dog and that worked for about one year, and then we ended up getting our second dog, and right now I have eight greyhounds. Um, since Anna Marie, with the greyhounds we currently have, I've had 22 greyhounds now in my house. 
Um, so, yeah, that pledge didn't last long. <laughs> no, it sounds like you have a very understanding wife. Yeah, she lo- she loves the dog. Um, she volunteers actually locally at with the pound in, in Phoenix, um, and of course I'm doing the GPA thing. We just have to be separated in our volunteer work. <laughs> I understand. But, yeah. I, I, you know, the pound puppies and all that, they need a lot of uh, attention, so I'm quite proud of her for doing that as well. Right. That's, and that's something that we've talked about on the show too, is getting involved in different areas with dogs. And there are so many different places and areas where different dogs need help. So it's wonderful to see people who are able to help out in their own ways, use their own special talents. Yeah. Volunteers, no matter what it is, it's, it's what makes us what we are. And if it's just a shelter or some, you know, pure breed organization, if you've got the time, please volunteer for them. They can need it and let them know what you're an expert at. Um, if you're an expert at something and you like doing that in your off time, they could sure use you. Terrific. Terrific. Now, you said that the name of your radio show is Greyhounds Make Great Pets. So let me ask you, what exactly is it about this breed that makes them such great pets? They are very docile. Um, You look at the dog. I even thought the same thing. I said, I lived in a condo. I can't have this dog because I don't have a yard. This, the, the, the racing greyhound, um, They've, they've done an excellent job with the breeding of them, first of all. You don't have any inbreeding of, on them, so you've got a very pure, pure bred here. Um, they're very docile. They, once, you know, on the racetrack, they only run once every three to four or five days. The rest of the time, they're snoozing. Um, and <laughs> it's true, they're, they're pretty much couch potatoes. They, in the home, you take them out. In fact, right now where I live, I do have a yard and a doggy door. They go out after breakfast, run around, do their thing, come back in the house, and they pretty much sleep all day, all afternoon, and then go back out at dinner time and do their thing, and then they go back and sleep the rest of the time. But they are very, very gentle dog. Very, very few of them have any aggressive um, behaviors or anything in them, and I think that a lot of that is because of the breeding. It's been very careful of how they've done the breeding with this dog. Uh, it's just a very loving dog. They love attention. Um, they come in the house, they're maybe like, yep, that's my couch. That's wonderful. Now, you had said that there's very little aggressive tendencies in them. Um, and that's and that's something that can be important for a lot of families, particular one, particularly ones with children or ones with other pets. Uh, how do they normally get along with children, with other pets, and especially the small, furry, fast-moving pets? There again, you would think a dog that's been bred to chase things and also it's been trained to chase a little bunny rabbit on the racetrack, a little stuffed animal, you would think all of them would not like little furry things. I have cats in my house. I also have eight greyhounds in my house. The cats and the greyhounds are mingling together. Uh, A majority of the greyhounds will be small critter tolerant, that's what we call it. the majority of them will do fine with children. Majority of them will do fine. All of them pretty much do fine with other dogs. The the greyhound has been with its litter mates from the day it was born till about 18, 24 months of age. It's always been with its litter mates. So it's always been with other animals, other dogs. So they, that's one of the things I think that does help them. Um, I. My theory is that possibly one of the things that makes them a greater pet is 
they have been with their litter mate and their mom for a longer period than most other dogs. So they're getting that social uh, <clears throat> education from their mom and their, their uh, litter mates that maybe other breeds may not get when we're ripping them away from their mom and their litter mates at six weeks of age or eight weeks of age and throwing them into the scary human world. Right, right. With, with, hum with humans, we do the best that we can to teach them, but it's not quite the same as the mama dog. Yeah, uh, you know, most of us don't speak the mama dog talk, and I think it, to me, you know, I have no scientific data, but I do think that's one of the things that helps this dog out, is they're with their mom and their litter mates. That's, that's a wonderful thing to know about them. That does make them kind of different. Now, um, now I did also want to know, as you, as you said before, you foster and you have eight greyhounds, so I'm sure that you've run across a few that haven't necessarily gotten along with the cats. What do you do to keep your animals safe when you're in that kind of a situation? Well, again, like with our program, we try we match the dog with the home. So we do have people that are interested in adopting that have said on their application, we don't like cats, we're never going to have a cat. That's where those dogs go. All right, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> it works out great. <laughs> all right, perfect, perfect. Now, are, you've talked about all the wonderful things about greyhounds. Are there any drawbacks to it? Like what type of a family would a greyhound not be a good breed for? I have yet to really find that. Now, if, if you're going to be, you know, having small, a lot of small kids, you're going to be raising your family. My, my philosophy is if, if you take care of yourself and your family first. So if you're going to possibly be having a lot of family issues in your life, maybe you have a mom or dad that's getting up there in age and you're going to be having to deal with them. Maybe that is, again, a pet, even a, not just a greyhound, but any pet. That's not a good idea. You need to concentrate on your family, and if you're going to have to do that, you're not going to be able to concentrate on your pet. So if you've got something coming up in your life that you know, I'm not going to be able to give the attention that I need to to my pet. Because if you take a cat, dog, greyhound, whatever, into your home, that should be a family member. And if you can't make it a family member, then you're not a home. You shouldn't be doing it at that time. Wait till when you can. All right, I th and I think that's a good point, that that's good advice for anybody getting any type of a pet. That's true. I mean, anything. Give it, give it some thought. You're bringing a family member into your house, and if you can't make it a family member, wait till you can. That's very, very good advice. Now, would you like to share a story about any memorable experiences with one of your greyhounds or your fosters or maybe a transport? Well, actually, I can tell you about one of my greyhounds. Um... And it didn't happen to me, it happened to my wife, and thankfully I was out of town. He, uh, Harley, he's 115 pounds, and he's probably the largest greyhound anyone has ever seen. He loves to play fetch. Um, fortunately, like I said, I was out of town on a business trip, and Harley was playing fetch with my wife. And she, he brought the ball back to her, and he dropped it, and she bent down to pick it up. And at the same time she bent down, he lifted up his head and busted her lip really bad. She had to go to the emergency room to get stitches. And, of course, they did not believe her story, and they even called the cops to interview to make sure she wasn't being beat up by her husband. And I said, I think the only thing that saved me is I was out of town. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. yes. Thank, thank goodness for that. And I, I'm sure Harley got a stern talking to Oh, yeah, he's, he's a lovely dog, though, and we just now, that's an education for us. It's like, okay, when he drops the ball, kind of kick it over somewhere else and then go get it. But 
I, I was just kind of gl- I don't like being away from home, but there's one time I was glad I was away from home. <laughs> yes, I think that I think that's a, a really good idea. And of course, if you if you say no, the dog beat me up, then yeah. people don't probably believe that. Yeah, I, yeah. If I had been in town and they had come to interview me, no, it was the dog. Um, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Now, I noticed that um, Greyhound Pets of America has adopted a neutral stance regarding um, Greyhound, Greyhound racing at tracks, and I know that there is a lot of controversy with that and that different organizations have different stances on it. So why has your organization adopted the position that you have? Well, I, I believe the founders, when they set up our organization, um, the whole philosophy behind it was like, let's do one thing there's other organizations that do the other things and they do those well let's set up an organization that just does adoptions and that's all we do and that's what we concentrate on and i i think it has worked that's all we do is adoptions and we we work with um ver- all sorts of various people i can tell you gpa does have members we are made up of all sorts of people racing people anti-racing people people that just care about pets and you know don't care about anything else and i am really amazed at how well it has worked and it has you know the philosophy has stayed the same and i think 71,000 adoption speaks for itself that they did something right when they set it up this way and you know our job is just to do adoptions there's people that their jobs are other things I kind of think that if we tried to do other things, you know, be more political or whatever, that maybe we wouldn't be doing adoptions as well. So I kind of like the approach of let's concentrate on one thing, do it well, and from what I can see, it's worked. Yeah, well, it does sound like with uh, 71,000 adoptions, that one thing you guys are doing very well. Yeah, and I I keep looking at the numbers, it's like, okay, it's working, why should we change? I think that's a that's a very good you know a very good idea to work that way. Do your one thing as well as you guys do. Now, as a part of the conference, what I've seen is that the people attending today are actually going for a tour of a local track here. Um, I wanted to ask if you've ever been on a tour and what you've found, what your experiences have been there. I've actually been on multiple tour tours. I've been to a lot of the tracks, a lot of the farms, and. Um, actually, in Arizona, I go to a lot of the farms anytime I want. Um, as I had mentioned, you know, on the educational experience, um, part of getting to know your dog and kind of maybe if you're doing temperament testing to maybe know, okay, why did the dog do that? You, you kind of need to know how was the dog raised? What did the dog go through at the track? What, you know, that type of thing. Like in Arizona, we would get a lot of calls from people that are like, yeah, I put the water dish down, but my dog keeps sticking his feet in there. Well, if you took a track tour, you would discover that because it gets hot in Arizona, after each race, they have a bucket of water there, and that's where the dog goes over and cools its feet off. So the dogs have been trained to do that. So going to the track for these people today, it's going to help them understand, okay, what did the dog go through at the track, and it's going to help them when they're doing more their temperament testing and all that to understand their dog. And that's the whole process behind today is get more education so they understand what the dog went through. Right. Well, and that does make sense. The more education they get, um, for you guys, it would be two-pronged because not only do they understand their own pets a little bit better, but it sounds like that would help in, in matching the pets to new homes and helping them to get comfortable in those homes. 
It's true. And again, this education, that's all what it's all about. The more we educate ourselves, I think the better we can do with our pets. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, if any of our listeners would like to get involved with GPA or any other Greyhound organization, um, what would be the best way for them to go about it? Uh, they could visit our website at www.greyhoundpets.org. And that's Greyhound Pets. That's, we want, it's got an S on there because we want you to have more than one Greyhound. Or you can call us our 800 number, with, which is 1-800-366-1-GPA. Terrific. And we'll, we'll have those linked in our enhanced podcast and also in our show notes so that those will be there for our listeners as well so that they can visit that and see you guys there. All right. Thank you. And for any of your listeners who have adopted any pet or they're volunteering, thank you for what you guys do. Terrific. Now, we do actually have a number of international listeners, which is one of the great things about podcasting. So I was also curious um, to see if um, greyhound racing or greyhounds as a breed are popular in other countries. You do have greyhound racing in um, many other countries. In fact, right here in our own area, we have there's two tracks in Mexico. And um, so it's right here. You have a lot in Spain, in the U- all in the UK. And there's uh, organizations over there that are, you know, working on that. In fact, we've been kind of talking that, you know, we've all been concentrating in our own areas, but there may be come a time where we kind of need to start talking together because it is, start, it, it is a worldwide problem, uh, things that we need to work. Uh, people in the U.K. may be doing things that we don't know about that we could learn from, and we may be doing things that they could learn from. So we are actually kind of looking at maybe at some point in time having a conference like what we have here, but for on a worldwide effort so we can all get together and learn from each other. That, w- that would be very interesting, kind of an international education. Yeah. Because we all may be ha- doing something that is working that we need to share with the others. Because if we can learn from each other and do a better job, again, the pets are going to be the ones that benefit. Yes, that sounds absolutely terrific. And, um, and our last question for you is, what would you like to see happen with this breed and also with Greyhound Pets of America in the future? Well, I'd like to see Greyhound Pets of America keep growing the way we have. Um, I'd, uh, m- my whole goal is to get to where every Greyhound that's racing is getting a home. And that is where I want to get. That's where I'm going to keep striving to get. And until I get there, I'm not going to quit. That's terrific. Any last thoughts? If you're interested in a great pet, Greyhounds might be the one you want to look at. Thank you so much for your time, Rory. We've enjoyed having you. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you again, Rory, for taking the time to speak with us. You and your organization have done such amazing things for greyhounds. And for our listeners, you heard Rory talk a little bit about his internet radio show. I highly, highly recommend that you check that out. It'll have more information for you about greyhounds and dogs. And I think that you'd really, really enjoy it. Of course, we will be linking to that in the show notes, and if you're looking at the Enhanced Podcast, then there will be a link to that for you right now. To switch gears a little bit, in Canine Cast number 10, we read the story of the Rainbow Bridge, where all of our beloved pets go when it's time for them to pass on, and we have upcoming here September 11th, which is a very meaningful day to, um, to most, if not all of us, And we have another meaningful story for you about the Rainbow Bridge. This one is specific to September 11th. So Walter's going to read that to you all now. I hope you enjoy it. 
And as, as I've said before, occasionally with a story on here, this one can be a bit of a tearjerker. Welcome at Rainbow Bridge by Alexander Theodore Bouvier, fourth year resident. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, there was an unprecedented amount of activity at the Rainbow Bridge. Decisions had to be made. They had to be made quickly, and they were. An issue not often addressed here is the fact that many residents really have no loved one for whom to wait. Think of the pups who lived and died in hideous puppy mills. No one on earth loved or protected them. What about the many who spent unhappy lives tied in backyards? And the ones who were abused, who are they to wait for? We don't talk about that much up here. We share our loved ones as they arrive, happy to do so. But we all know there is nothing like having your very own person who thinks you are the most special pup in the heavens. Last Tuesday morning, a request rang out for pups not waiting for specific persons to volunteer for special assignment. An eager, curious crowd surged excitedly forward, each pup wondering what the assignment would be. They were told by a solemn voice that unexpectedly, all at once, over 4,000 loving people had left Earth long before they were ready. All the pups, as all pups do, felt the human's pain deep in their own hearts. Without hearing more, there was a clamoring among them. May I have one to comfort? I'll take two. I have a big heart. I have been saving kisses forever. One after another they came forward begging for assignment. One cozy-looking fluffy pup hesitantly asked, Are there any children coming? I would be very comforting for a child, cause I'm soft and squishy, and I always wanted to be hugged. A group of Dalmatians came forward asking to meet the firemen and be their friends. The larger working breeds offered to greet the police officers and make them feel at home. Little dogs volunteered to do what they do best, cuddle and kiss. Dogs who on earth had never had a kind word or a pat on the head stepped forward and said, I will love any human who needs love. Then all the dogs, wherever on earth they originally came from, rushed to the rainbow bridge and stood waiting, overflowing with love to share, each tail wagging an American flag. Thanks for reading that for us, Walter. I actually found that one a couple of years ago, and at the time it really, really made an impression on me, much like the original Rainbow Bridge did. The moment that I read the original Rainbow Bridge on the show, I knew that I wanted to also read this one when the time was right. So I'm so very, very happy that we got to share that with you. Now that's about all the time we have for tonight, and I think a little bit more too. So we're going to wrap up the show. We did a public service announcement for Noah's Wish that we will play at the end of the show. Please feel free if you would like to either go ahead and clip that audio from this show, or you can also download it from the website at caninecast.com. Um, please feel free to take that, play that in your own podcasts or put it on your websites or any, any place that you would like to go ahead and play that is perfectly fine with us. We would really, really appreciate it, that if you would like to do that um, to help spread the word about Noah's Wish. And of course, there are still so many things that you can do to get involved. They need people to help transport animals and take care of animals. So anything that you can do to get involved is so, so very helpful and so, so very appreciated, not only by the animals, but also by their owners who have found themselves in some tough circumstances lately. So um, we'll be returning next week 
with some listener stories and questions like our normal formats for the show. So please continue to send those in. We also love your comments. We love hearing what you think of the show. It just absolutely makes my day when I hear um, a, a new listener tell us what they thought of the show and how happy they are to find it. It's just wonderful. So please um, continue to write into us and send us your pictures. We have some new listener pictures that we're putting up and we're so excited to share those all with you and we just love seeing those so please send those in to us uh, you can of course also call us on our on our voicemail line or send us a Skype message and we're happy to play that audio as well so with that I think we're going to say goodnight here and if you haven't already please spay or neuter your dog it's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend if you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com. Hi, this is Tara from the Canine Cast Dog Podcast at caninecast.com. Have you ever wondered what happens to animals in these emergencies? We see pictures of them all over the news, but who is there to help them? What happens to the animals that cannot go along with their owners to the shelters or the ones that escape during the disaster? Well, the answer is there is a wonderful organization called Noah's Wish that exists for the sole purpose of helping animals during disasters. They do everything from helping to evacuate the animals beforehand to helping to rescue animals in distress after the disaster and then holding on to them in a shelter until such time as they can be reunited with their owners or until they find new homes. If you could please help out Noah's Wish, they have over 400 members currently dispatched to help out in areas that have been affected by Katrina and they could really use your help. The Noah's Wish website is at noahswish.org. That's noahswish.org. If you go to that website, you will see a button set up for Hurricane Katrina and will tell you what they're doing there and what's going on with their efforts. In addition, they also have a button specifically for Katrina donations. That will bring you to a page which will tell you what they need. Monetary donations are a big help. But in addition, they also have other special needs that are listed there. So you can donate either monetarily or by sending them some of the equipment that they might need. Um, we at the Canine Cast have donated to this worthy cause, and we hope that you do the same. Thanks for helping to take care of the animals in this disaster.